Father, we again thank you for the opportunity we have at this moment to worship and to open up your word now to ask you to speak to our hearts about this peace that you can give us about this revelation that you give us of Jesus. So I pray that you would remove all distractions from us during this time, that we'd be able to focus solely upon the center of Scripture, Jesus Christ. In his good and holy precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Take your Bible and open with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. I want to speak to you today on this subject, the revelation of the Bible. Now, uh, if, if you're new here, fairly new here, uh, let me just share with you for a quick moment our approach to what we focus on here as a church. Some years ago, our staff and our deacons worked together to identify some core values of our church, some, some things that we believe Scripture teaches we must do as a church of the living God. Now, there are a lot of things that we can do. There are a lot of ways that we can spend our lives, but we believe that Scripture teaches that there are some things we absolutely must do. They are things that are core to who we are. There are th- th- these are things that, that must be embraced by us as the people of God and the church of Jesus if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be. Now obviously we want to practice all of those uh, core values throughout the year, but we also want to really focus in from, from year to year on very specific core values. We really want to get laser focused on some things. And and so what we do is that uh, every year we take one of those core values and man, we just drill down into that core value throughout the year. And this year, our core value that we're going to focus on is scripture. And in fact, the core values, if you'll go to the next screen up there, uh, these are core values that we have. The Bible, worship, sharing the gospel, prayer, our relationships with each other, serving our community. All of those things are important. And that doesn't mean that we're not, that we're not going to love on each other this year, since it's not, not our emphasis. We're saying we want to do all of those things, but especially this year, we want to focus on that core value that we believe the Bible is important. In fact, this is what we say about the Bible. It's on the next slide. We believe the Bible's important because the Bible is God's word to us. We believe it to be the perfect and the complete revelation of of God. Therefore, we also believe that the Bible is the basis of what we teach and preach at our church, and it should provide, should provide, because this part hinges on us, it should provide the standard for our beliefs, for our values, and our practices. So, we're going to spend the next several weeks introducing this focus to you. And we're going to have some other things planned throughout this year that will help you embrace this principle in your lives. In fact, there are a couple of things you can go ahead and start doing already. And some of you have already begun to do some of those things even in this year. You can get involved, for example, in a Bible reading plan. Well, we have a place on our website where you go to fbcmethanorg slash Bible. It's got Bible plans on there for every single person. I guarantee you there's one on there that you can take part in. If you haven't started yet, go ahead and start. And look, here's the thing also that I want to say about Bible reading plans. I'll get to the sermon in just about 30 minutes, okay? 
is that if you get stuck and hung up in your Bible reading plan and you miss two or three days, you're not going to hell for that, okay? It's, it's okay. It's okay. If you get to Leviticus and you find out that you were reading it at 1030 at night and the next thing you know it's six in the next morning... I've been there. Okay, maybe you have. Maybe I'm the only one. Uh, if that happens, okay. Just take a reset and just pay. The goal is not for you to check things off of a list. Our goal, we want you to have a daily interaction in some way with Scripture. You can also get involved in a connection group. If you're not involved in one, get involved in one. We have them almost every single week here at the church, Sunday mornings at 9.15. Or on Wednesday night, almost every Wednesday night, we gather here to meet at 6 o'clock in Bible study groups. So get involved. Involved, get involved in something that's going to help you get exposed more and more to the Word of God. So I grew up in a very small country church, and I learned a song in that small country church as a kid, and some of you may have learned that song as well. The song is called the B-I-B-L-E, and, and Kenneth doesn't know this, but I've added a song to the order of the service today, <laughs> because I want us to, uh, if you don't know this, it's very simple. Let's just Join me, all right, ready? The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. One more time, a little bit louder, because you all should get it now, okay? I told you, I'll get to the text, hold on. The B-I-B, louder. Awesome job. Good job. We'll do that for the next several weeks, okay? So <laughs> practice this week. Look it up on Spotify, whatever you got to do. Get ready to sing it next week. There's a lot of truth in that song. A lot of truth in that little song that we learned, some of us as children, and some of us maybe we just learned today. That's the book for me. There are some books that can inform you. There are some books that might even try to reform you. Only one book can transform you, the Word of God. It is the book for me. I stand alone on that Word of God. If you were to build your life on the principles that were taught in one book and one book alone, if you were to build your life on the truths that are found in one book and one book alone, the Bible is the only book that will give you the foundation you need for your life. It has withstood thousands of attempts to discredit it, to disavow it, and to disallow it, and yet here we are still reading and cherishing this word of God. Why is that true? Why is the Bible the book for me? Why can I stand alone on the word of God as the very foundation of my life? The reason we can do that is because of the revelation of the Bible. What the Bible reveals to us. Look at our text, Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him, the son, heir of all things and made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. 
After making purification for sins, he, the Son, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he, the Son, became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. The first two verses give us two references to God speaking. Verse 1, long ago God spoke. Verse 2, in these last days he has spoken. When God speaks, he is revealing himself to us. Anytime God speaks, it is God revealing himself to us. Theologians call this divine revelation, where God reveals himself and makes himself known. You cannot know anything about God unless he allows us to know it. God gives us revelation through what some call a general way in creation. The heavens declare the glory. Those who observe creation are without excuse. You can't see a sunset and not think there has to be someone behind it or for you morning people a sunrise. I'm usually a sunset kind of guy. But a sunrise and see that there's not someone behind it. But there's also a special revelation of God, or a very specific revelation of God, where God reveals himself through the words that he speaks and through the Son that he sent. Did you notice the emphasis in those verses about the Son, Jesus that the Son reveals to us, that this is how God has spoken to us in these days, the most clear and definitive way that God has revealed himself is through Scripture and more specifically through Jesus Christ who is the Word. John's Gospel says this about Jesus. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and that word became flesh and dwelt among us. The revelation of the Bible at its core is the revealing of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Jesus embodied perfectly every word of God. He was, as the author of Hebrews tells us, the perfect reflection and representation of God because he is God. God revealed himself and his word through Jesus. If you want to know the word of God, you must know the son of God. There's no other way around it. If you want to know God's revelation, you have to know Jesus. This link is crucial to everything about the Bible. Jesus is the Word. Therefore, the purpose of the Bible's revelation is to reveal Jesus to us. The primary purpose of the Bible is not to bring us comfort, although it does. The primary purpose of the Bible is not to give us principles in which we live to guide us through life, although it does. The primary purpose of the Bible is to give us an image of Jesus so we can see Jesus and come to know Jesus by having a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the center of God's revelation in the Bible. So I want us to look briefly this morning at three things that the author of Hebrews 
mentions that scripture reveals to us about the Son of God through whom God has spoken and revealed himself to us. This is the revelation of the Bible. First is this, the Bible reveals that Jesus is our sustainer. Jesus is the sustainer. If you notice the first uh, or the last part of verse 2 tells us that God has appointed Jesus the heir of all things and that God made the universe through him. And the first sentence of verse 3 says that the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of of God's glory, the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus, the Bible reveals, is our sustainer. He he created all things and he sustains it all by his power. Do not overlook what this is teaching us. Now, I, I, I didn't, I want to admit, I did not do the research on what I'm about to tell you. I had to rely on, on people much, much smarter than me. But I want you to consider for just a moment, think about this. We live in a solar system, one solar system. Our solar system has a diameter of seven and a half billion miles. If you drove 65 miles an hour, which I've seen a lot of you do in the 35s on Highway 90, (laughs) if you drive 65 miles an hour, it would take you over 13,000 years to circle the diameter of our solar system. Our solar system. There are over 100 billion solar systems in our one galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, which is the great name for a galaxy. Praise the Lord, Milky Way, amen. (laughs) So in our galaxy... There are over 100 billion solar systems, and there are over 50 billion galaxies in the world, in the universe. Now, now try to comprehend this. Jesus created all of that, and right now, Jesus is sustaining that. He's holding that in tension and control in his hands. That makes your DIY project look pretty weak, doesn't it? (laughs) You're bragging about the deck you built. Look at what Jesus has done. Jesus is, isn't it to blow your mind? I can't even comprehend it. Jesus is sustaining all of this by the power of his word. And this revelation should bring us great comfort. Listen, if Jesus can sustain all of creation, he can sustain you. If Jesus can sustain all of creation, he can sustain you as you go through the circumstances that life throws your way. He will sustain you as you walk through the valley. He will sustain you as you face difficulty. He will sustain you as you deal with sickness and disease and even death. He will sustain you as you weep over the decisions of a wayward family member. He has got the whole world in his hands, and that means he has you in his hands. He's the sustainer. And the Bible reveals this to us, that he is the center of it all because he's the sustainer, but it's not just that he's the sustainer. Second, he is the savior. The Bible reveals to us that Jesus is our savior. 
Look at the last part of verse 3. It says that after Jesus did the work of making purification for our sin, he sat down. Okay, that's an important phrase. He sat down. See, in the Bible, the Old Testament, they had priests who would make sacrifices. They had the tabernacle, the temple, they had the whole sacrificial system. And that priest, those priests would make a daily sacrifice. For you see, back in the sacrificial system, today's sacrifice did not cover tomorrow's sin. And so the priest would make the sacrifice today, and the next day he'd make another sacrifice, and the next day another, and another, and another, and another. This went on for centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years. Can you imagine the altar in that temple, the altar in that tabernacle, where thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of animals had been placed on that altar and sacrificed? Can you imagine how the, the, the blood had caked upon that altar layer after layer after layer because those priests, they never sat down. They never sat down. They were always standing at the altar making sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. But then Jesus did something. (laughs) Jesus came not just as the sacrifice, but Jesus also came as the priest who made the sacrifice. The only person who is in history who's ever done that who's ever been able to offer the sacrifice, to be the sacrifice while he offered the sacrifice. And Jesus, once and for all, having been sacrificed, made purification for our sins. What did he do? He sat down. Why? Because there was nothing left to do. He finished the task. He finished the job. When he offered his life as a sacrifice, he paid the price for our sins. Jesus finished the work of a Savior on the cross. And the Bible reveals the Son as a Savior. He accomplished salvation for us. It is finished, Jesus said. He is sat down. We can rest in our relationship with him because he takes our sin and he gives us salvation, the Bible reveals that Jesus is our Savior. The revelation of the Bible is so important because it shows us that Jesus is our sustainer and he's our Savior. And number three, the Bible reveals that Jesus is superior. He is superior. The author of Hebrews provides a little contrast for us between Jesus, the revelation of God, and the prophets and the angels. The author of Hebrews goes so far as to say in verse six, verse four, that Jesus became superior to the angels. You see, the prophets declared the word of God. The angels announced the word of God. But Jesus was the word of God. The prophets were pointing to something beyond themselves, Jesus. The angels were pointing to something greater than themselves, Jesus. The message of the prophets was go and do. The message of Jesus was it is done. The revelation of the Bible sends a clear message. Jesus is better. 
He is superior to every person who has ever lived. He is superior to every angel that's ever been created. He is superior to every prophet who has ever spoken. You see, Jesus, he is better than Adam. You remember Adam in the Garden of Eden was given a test, and he failed that test. He failed that test, and through his sin, disobedience was passed on to us. But praise God this morning that Jesus is the better Adam because Jesus went to another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and where Adam fell, Jesus succeeded. And his obedience in that moment was passed on to us. Jesus is the better Job. You remember Job? Job was a man who loved God. Job was a man who followed God. And Job had some friends who were around him, some friends that I wish, I I bet Job wished, would find some other friends. But Job interceded for those friends. But Jesus is a better Job. Jesus is the truly innocent one who suffered, who on a cross offered forgiveness to his enemies who desired to see his death. Jesus is better than even Samson. You remember strong Samson? Samson who went into that last test against the Philistines and he got the the, the pillars of that building and his strength tore those pillars, those columns apart and the building fell fell down and, and crushed the enemy of the Philistines. Jesus is better than Samson because Jesus took upon himself the entire weight of a wicked world so he could save not just one nation, but so he could save every single nation. Jesus is superior. So to seek someone else, to look to someone else, to look to something else for your salvation, for your deliverance, it is completely useless because Jesus is Superior. You see, the primary purpose of the Bible is to reveal Jesus to us. And the book of Hebrews shows us that Jesus is our superior Savior who sustains us as we follow him. So in the end, the Bible isn't about you. The Bible is about him. The revelation of the Bible is not some insight for your growth, the revelation of the Bible is to point you up to Jesus and who he is. The Bible is all about him. See, we tend to read our Bibles like it's a story of of heroes that we should emulate. Follow God like Abraham. Dare to be a Daniel. Seek the heart of God as David. Be more like Moses. And that's fine to a point, but look, there are things about those people you don't want to emulate. Abraham was a liar. Not once, not twice, but at least three times. Moses had an anger problem. David had an issue with adultery, lust, murder, and lying himself. There are some things about those guys you don't want to emulate in your life. You see, the Bible should not be read as a story about the good guys versus the bad guys. Rather, we should approach Scripture with the revelation that there's only one good person. There's only one hero in this story, and it is Jesus. You will hear, if you hang around here any length of time, you will hear this a thousand times. I will die on this statement. I will fight you on this statement. 
If you as a church decided this thing wasn't true, I'd be out today. I believe that strongly in this statement. The purpose of the Old Testament is to point us toward Jesus. The purpose of the Gospels is to point us up as we exalt Jesus. The purpose of everything written after the Gospels is either to point us back to what Jesus has done or to point us forward to what Jesus is going to do. In the end, it's all about Jesus in every single book. In the book of Genesis, we see Jesus as the Word of God who created the heavens and the earth. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb who was offered as a sacrifice for our sins, who if his blood is sprinkled upon the doorpost of our hearts, we will escape the bonds of spiritual slavery. In Leviticus, Jesus is the temple, the holy place where we can meet with God. In Numbers, he is the ever-present guide, the pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. In Deuteronomy, Jesus is the soon-to-arrive prophet who is greater than Moses. In Joshua, Jesus is that conquering warrior who's leading us right now to our promised land. In Judges, he is the broken Savior who rises up to rescue sinners. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our shepherd king who rushes out to face the giants of sin all alone. In First and Second Kings, Jesus is the righteous ruler. In First and Second Chronicles, Jesus is the restorer of the kingdom. In Ezra, the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, the rebuilder of the walls. In Esther, Jesus is the advocate who risked his life to restore us to royalty. In Job, he is the redeemer that we know lives. In the Psalms, he is the God to whom we cry. In Proverbs, Jesus is wisdom personified. In Ecclesiastes, he is the meaning that gives us us purpose in the madness of life. In the Song of Solomon, he is the great lover and the bridegroom of his people. In Isaiah, he is that wonderful counselor, that mighty God, that everlasting father, that prince of peace who bore our sins, who was wounded for our transgressions, and who was bruised for our iniquities. In Jeremiah, Jesus is the spirit of God that writes the laws of God upon our hearts. In Jesus is that weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the giver of life who brings healing to the nations. In Daniel, he is that fourth man that is seen in the fire. In Hosea, Jesus is the ever faithful husband pursuing those who are unfaithful. In Joel, Jesus is the restorer of everything the locusts have devoured. In Amos, he is the one who bears our burdens. In Obadiah, he is the judge of all the earth. In Jonah, he's the one who was cast out into the sea of sin so we could be brought in. In Micah, he's the everlasting ruler born to us in Bethlehem. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In the book of Habakkuk, you see him as our reason to rejoice even when our fields are empty. In Zephaniah, he's our great redeemer. In Zechariah, he's the pure son whom every eye on earth will one day behold 
Sheol. In Haggai, he is the cleansing fountain. And in Malachi, he's the son of righteousness who is rising up with healing in his wings. But the Bible doesn't end there. All that just tells us what Jesus will be. Jesus was then born, and he has arrived just as God promised. And in Matthew, he's the king of the Jews. In Mark, he's the son of God. In Luke, he is the Savior born to us in the city of David, Christ our Lord. In John, he is the word become flesh who makes his dwelling among us. In Acts, he is Christ the risen Lord proclaiming salvation to the nations. In Romans, he is the justifier of our sins. In 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he is the one, the spirit who is at work in the churches. In Galatians, he is the righteousness imputed to us by faith. In, in the book of Ephesians, he is our righteous armor. In Philippians, he's the God who meets all of our needs. In Colossians, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. In 1st and 2nd Thess- Thessalonians, he's descending from heaven with a shout coming to meet us together in the clouds. In 1st and 2nd Timothy, he's the one mediator between God and man. In Titus, Jesus is the faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's our redeemer, restoring us to service. In Hebrews, he is our great high priest. In James, he is the life at work in our faith. In 1st and 2nd Peter, he is our living cornerstone. In 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, Jesus is our advocate pleading for our righteousness in our place. In Jude, he is God, our Savior, the one who keeps us from stumbling and presents us blameless in his presence with great joy. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. It's always only ever been about Jesus. He's the center of it all. There is nothing. This is why you need this word. Because Jesus saturates it from cover to cover. From the first verse of Genesis to the last verse of Revelation. He is superior. You need to know that Jesus. Because if you don't know that Jesus... You haven't embraced the revelation of God. You must one day stand before him and answer for it. I want to ask you this morning, are you relying upon Jesus to sustain you? Is Jesus your savior? Because he is superior, that means he is the only one who can save you from your sins. Stop trusting in what you think you can do. Stop trusting in what you think you have done. And just simply trust Jesus. It is really all about Him. Would you bow your head right where you are? I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to sing. This is what we call a time of commitment, a time where you can respond to whatever the Holy Spirit might have been placing upon your heart today. If you need to talk to someone about what it means to make this Jesus, who's the center of it all, your Lord and Savior, 
we'd love to talk to you about what that means and how you can do that. If there's some area of your life in which you're not trusting Jesus to sustain you, maybe today you need to surrender that part of your life to his sustaining power. I don't know what God is placing upon your heart today, but I know he brought you here for a purpose. You're not sitting in this building by accident. That he has you here, he has a step for you to take. Would you simply say yes to what that step is? Father God, I thank you that Jesus did for me what I could never, ever do for myself. That he is the center of it all. That the reason you gave us this Bible was so we could know, understand, and come into a relationship with Jesus. I pray if there's one here today that doesn't have that relationship. Father, today they would let go of their sin and cling to a Savior. Whatever you're calling us to do today, Father, may we be faithful to say yes. In the good name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen. Let's stand and sing.